Hi there, and welcome to These Four Walls, the podcast that explores how we shape our spaces and how our spaces shape us. I'm Erin Potter, and this podcast is my excuse to ask questions to some of my favorite interior designers, architects, and makers so that we may all benefit from their experience, insight, and expertise. Throughout these conversations, I hope to dig deeper into the principles, philosophies, and techniques that underpin some of the finest contemporary design and perhaps learn a trick of the trade or two. On this episode, I caught up with Nick Bentley of Uniform. You can find him online at uniform.studio or at uniform underscore AV on Instagram. The ability to capture the vision of the world's leading architects, designers, and developers is no small feat. So it makes sense that Uniform is an award-winning and world-leading architectural visualization studio in their own right. When I first came across the work that Nick and his team create, as most do, I was awe-inspired. With more than 20 years in the industry, it was really interesting to get a sense of Nick's thoughts on what are the challenges and where do the innovations lie in the visualization of property in place. We explored many topics from the challenges of communication to the intense interrogation of brief and context to the problem-solving nature of the work that they do at Uniform and everything in between. So without any further ado, let's jump in. Can you describe to me what you do and who you do it for? I'm a creative director at Uniform and uh, a co-founder as well. Um, So Uniform is a creative company. Uh, We're based in Liverpool. Uh, We set up uh, back in 1998, so quite a long time ago now. Um, And there's kind of two main parts to our business. Um, One side is a a brand design agency uh, and the other is a creative studio for property in place which is the the part which I lead. Um, So yeah like I say kind of the the three of us who set up the company uh, we all met uh, at uni uh, on a product design course uh, back yeah back in 1998 so yeah, and we we kind of set up, I think it was actually at the end of our second year, and various kind of projects had come up, which um, uh, kind of gave us the opportunity to work together on, it started out actually doing interior design, um, but we always had the intention really, I think, of becoming product designers. Um, I guess that that didn't really happen either. Just just in terms of yeah, the kind of those two sides of what Uniform do. So that you know, the brand design agency that is uh, really kind of working for clients to kind of help them communicate with their audiences. So we do work with people like uh, Innocent and Fever Tree, uh, Mitre Sports Brand, uh, and you know, I guess like I say, yeah, it's, it's all about helping helping those brands connect with their audiences in hopefully kind of meaningful ways. Um, And then on the creative studio for property in place side of things, um, that is working with, uh, I guess, a combination of generally architects and developers. um, And they might be um, big international architectural practices working on projects all over the world, people like Foster and Partners and Big, UN Studio, SOM. Um, So what we do with them is really kind of aim to bring their vision to life 
through uh, CGI's, films, immersive content. And I guess likewise with the, with the developers as well. We, we do a lot of work with uh, Night Dragon, who are developing out uh, a big part of London called Greenwich Peninsula. And we've been working with developers like Urban Splash for probably about 20 years now. Um, and they are now very much focused on creating uh, like modular configurable homes um so we've been helping them a lot with that so yeah like i say on that side of the business it's it's all about trying to add narrative to what they're creating and to kind of visually bring that to life and help them communicate their vision with their audiences. I would definitely like to talk more about the work that you've done for 20 years with Urban Splash in a bit. Um, but I just had a question around how did the brand um, design agency develop? Did that develop on the back? You were already working with architects and developers and then you found that there was a market where you could um, add value by bringing narrative to uh, commercial clients? The the kind of the brand aspect of things, um, I guess, is always uh been there from the start so out of the the kind of the three founders myself uh nick howe and pete thomas you know i I guess i was we were obviously all three of us were really into product design and you know product furniture lighting um as pete was I think Pete probably had more of a an interest in interiors, uh, and Nick always had uh, more of a uh, more of an interest. I think in the brand side of things, and I think my my interest was definitely more um, in terms of the the kind of the three D and the the visualization element. So um, you know, for, from in terms of the brand, um, I think that's part which has always been there um but probably around i don't know 10 12 years ago um pr- probably around um kind of uh global financial crisis time of um you know 2008 ish when probably our work in property and visualization started to kind of drop off a cliff a bit um we made a you know a, i guess a concerted effort to try and focus more on um you know the the brand side of things um i guess you know taking a bit of the risk away from being solely working within property and architecture and starting to work for brands outside of that um and you know i think i think it works really well having those two sides to the business which um you know they they complement each other in terms of skill set in terms of, you know, uh, brand and visualization, but then also they kind of have those different sectors. So, um, you know, I think in, in when times can get tough in one sector, hopefully the other sectors can uh, stay a bit more buoyant. Yeah, that, 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 that makes sense. I want to talk, I want to go back a little bit. You said you had an interest in 3D. That's where your kind of interest lies. Now I want to go yeah. back to the 90s. Uh, so I yeah. barely remember, <laughs> I, I barely remember the 90s. Um, but I, yeah. what I'm really fascinated about is um, what was it like to study product design and visual studies for the turn of the century? Um, and what, <laughs> you, <laughs> I hate to put it that way, what, what, uh, what drew you to this area of study? Um, I mean, you know, I think as a as a kid, I was always into 
probably probably started with Lego, to be honest. So, you know, always into making things with Lego, um, always into probably taking toys apart and trying to figure out how they worked. You know, I guess then it probably got into mending mending bikes and things, maybe building uh, like radio controlled cars and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I think I was always quite intrigued by how things worked. Um, so I think that the, you know, that, that kind of thinking about how things worked and also thinking about how, you know, how, how things could be better how could um you know tweaking the design of something a little bit make it function better i think that was probably what led me to becoming interested in um you know the the product design side of things so and 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 i guess you know at uni on that product design course we we kind of got introduced to um you know 3d modeling software i can't remember what it was uh, strata studio or something something i was gonna ask <laughs> yeah something which would probably you know you probably can't even get anymore um and then and then i i guess probably you know after that fairly quickly got introduced to um 3ds max so i think at that point it was it was max 2.5 uh <laughs> so yeah and you know i I think, you know, I, I found that um, building stuff in 3D was a very kind of similar process to playing with Lego. Um, you know, it's, you're doing similar things, but virtually. And then you get to, you know, take your virtual photo of those things that you've built. And, um, you know, once you've built these sets, you get to texture them and light them. And I think it's you know, I think it's quite addictive, really. And and that leads me to my next question, um, which you've, you know, you've, you've sort of answered already, but what excites you the most about what you do? I mean, I guess, uh, you know, my, my, as my role has developed over the years, um, I don't really do any of the kind of production element of 3D anymore. So, um, you know, if uh, you put me in front of a copy of 3DS Max now... <laughs> I think I'd probably still be able to do the basics, but um, yeah, I'm certainly not very well practiced at it. But I think, you know, what excites me now is just looking at the looking at the work, the images, the films, um, the immersive content that the studio creates. And hopefully that content is helping our clients communicate with their audiences in really effective ways um, because you know ultimately when our clients come to us for work they're wanting us to help them solve a communication challenge obviously uh, the team of CG artists is uh, dead set on producing the most beautiful imagery possible but we need to make sure that it is effective as well. And it's, um, it's doing that communication job. So I think, you know, what, what excites me is, I guess, solving problems really. And, and, you know, going right back to that product design course and any design really design is about solving problems, I guess, in the most interesting ways possible. Uh, and, the way we do it is by, you know, using technology, but obviously it's very much about understanding the client's problem, understanding their brief, understanding their audience, 
understanding the key things which they need to tell the audience um, and then it's our job to come up with the the most kind of creative ways possible to uh, help them tell that story. And um, working with uh, architects and developers and various stakeholders, um, as well as actually uh, leading the visualization team, what elements are important to maintain for successful collaboration throughout any project? In an ideal world, they come to us with the problem, but then the brief is quite open. Now, obviously, sometimes um, clients come to us with predetermined ideas about what you know, if we're talking about CGI's, what viewpoints they might want. Now, I think it's our job then to really interrogate um, why they want a specific view and understand the reasons why they want that. And I think what we then do is digest that information, um, take it away. Yes, we will explore that view which they think they want, but, you know, it's also our role to think a bit broader than that and you know I guess often when clients have been so focused on a project themselves and they kind of know it inside out um, they may think that they have already come up with the answers whereas I think sometimes our exploration can give quite a kind of fresh perspective on things whether that is you know viewpoints or mood or activity or lighting you know I think I think what we want to do is to be able to um, take their brief in quite an open way and you know digest that information and then find a kind of a thread that uh, we can then hook onto um, to create a, a concept for the images or film or piece of immersive. One thing that stood out to me on Uniform's website was uh, the statement that you said, you see things that others don't. When I first read that, yeah. it kind of brought up the idea of curiosity. And with curiosity, yeah. you, like you're saying, you uncover things that maybe other people haven't seen or they've missed. What does this mean to you? I think, I guess it is about going through that ideas process. And, um, you know, we need to, when, when a client comes to us with a new project uh, and, you know, it might be anything from a huge master plan to right down to like a single private residence. Um, I think that what we need to, what we need to explore, and I guess going back to that point about trying to see things which others don't, what we need to explore is, um, I guess, to begin with, it's the context around that project. So, you know, we might take inspiration from, you know, the design itself, the color palette, the location, the, the seasons, um, you know, how that particular space might be used. Um, I think, you know, it's also really important that we, you know, that might then take us off on um, a bit of a, an artistic direction, looking towards, films or cinema uh, or photography whether it's architectural photography or more abstract photography or artwork and I think it's probably around taking all those influences and um, putting kind of them into the the, the melting pot um, and hopefully that does result in some of the um, some of the things which the client might not have originally thought of and you know ultimately um, 
we want our you know our images to kind of stand out and be memorable um you know we want them to create a, a sense of emotion like so the viewer can kind of really connect with uh, a space um you know we, we we want them to have um harmony and that is i guess harmony through color and composition and using uh, areas of light and shadow to kind of lead the viewer's eye through the through the image or the film and you know i guess there's an element of uh, sparking intrigue so you know we, we often say that our images don't need to uh, on their own tell the whole story um because you know i think it probably is quite often the case that um clients often want the the you know the shot standing right in the corner of the room showing absolutely everything because i think from their point of view i think oh we'll get more kind of more value out of that um but i think sometimes it is about kind of sparking intrigue and you know you you hopefully if you can uh you know i guess a cgi or a you know an image or a film is often the first thing that people might see um when they learn about a new project and if that image can spark a bit of intrigue in the viewer and get them wanting to find out more they can find out all the you know all the other information about the project in lots of other places um but you know i think if it can if it can get them hooked and get them excited then that's um starting to become quite effective um and you know i guess ultimately our job is about kind of capturing the vision of um the designer the architect the developer who's uh working on and building these projects and i suppose um in capturing the vision there's a creative element and there's also a, a technological element yeah um so i've i've always felt that there's a relationship between a technical skill and creative output um how true is this for you and what advice would you give to people who are looking to be more creative in their fields and i think that you know you're absolutely right that what we do is a it's you know it's a blend of kind of three things it's a blend of what what's the idea uh in terms of yeah the the, the kind of what are we trying to communicate there's the creative way that we do that and there's technically how how do we deliver that um and i think that you know obviously having all three of those things is important i think that the in many ways the technical side of things is uh probably much more straightforward to learn whereas the more uh creative having the more creative and artistic vision um is probably a, a bit more of a, a a tricky one and i think that um you know if if when when people are applying to us if we can see that they have a a creative vision but maybe they're not so strong technically um then that's probably less of a concern because you know i think it's much more straightforward for us to uh teach the technical elements um but you know i, I think that you know having that blend is important and the you know having that mix of skills within the team as well is important because 
you know, yes, there are some roles which are probably clearly more technical, but when those people are working with the more creative people, um, then I guess that's sometimes when the, the kind of the real magic happens. Through those collaborative efforts. Yeah, definitely. Other than obviously having the technical skill and and being able to show sort of like a, a creative flair, so to speak, what are uh, other uh, requirements of someone who's go- who wants to be a great CG designer or you know a, a great art viz? Um, I mean, I think you know having uh, having ambition is uh, a key one. Um, understanding, well, I guess if we're talking about. Um, architectural visualization having you know an understanding of architecture is um you know a bonus and being able to interpret and understand what the architects uh, are aiming for when they've come up with a design concept um i think you know ha- having the that artistic ability um or that what's the right word, that kind of artistic intuition, I guess, to be able to understand um, what things work together. So whether that is colour palettes or to be able to understand lighting in terms of, you know, uh, the the values within an image, which parts should be bright, which parts should be dark, um, how to make something which both looks um, kind of pleasing and also tells a story and um, kind of draws you into it. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think yeah, that probably that 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 blend of those things is important, definitely. And uh, given given your your decades of experience, you must have seen kind of m- you have a more macro perspective, and you will be able to see patterns and trends over the last twenty years in the industry. Uh, I'm wondering where has the biggest innovation been in the industry? Has it been in the computing power, in the software, in access to online learning, or is it all three that have kind of come together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it probably is all three. I think that the you know the, the the point about access to online learning is spot on, really. In that, you know, when when we first started doing uh, 3D stuff, there was very little uh in terms of tuition it really was very much you know um uh try it and see if it works um and you know uh now obviously there's lots of amazing courses out there uh whether they are virtual courses or courses that uh i mean there's even getting to be quite a few university courses now as well um so i think that uh yeah that is that's great. It's great for the industry. I think that the yeah the, the the kind of focus that has been now put more on uh, the, the artistic side of things is good because you know I think that probably when we first started out um, it was quite a challenge to get things looking realistic and if you know, if we got something looking realistic, we're probably pretty pleased. Um, whereas now, obviously, with amazing, you know, physically uh, kind of focused render engines, getting stuff looking realistic is not really much of a challenge, um, which obviously then puts even more focus on the artistic nature of it. I think that, you know, in terms of 
innovation and the, the kind of trends that we've seen happen you know i mean in terms of we're talking about things like render times then you know even back in the day 15 20 years ago when we pressed render on an image uh, we would probably wait overnight for it and come back in the next morning and be uh, happy or sad that either it looked good or it didn't <laughs> <laughs> um, or you saw whereas, a little change yeah yeah exactly corner. <laughs> um yeah uh whereas and you know i think now that probably you know i guess it is different in some ways because we can put multiple computers all rendering one image and you know get a full res 5k 6k image rendered in you know half an hour or something but um but i guess my point is that even though computing power has uh, massively increased what that means is that the artists put more uh, more pressure on the rendering engine anyway they you know they put in uh, more complex calculations to um, in terms of lighting or caustic reflections or you know heavy heavy computing stuff which you know will continue to add that detail and subtlety to the image but you know ultimately it probably still means that a, a render takes 12 hours to do um, however I guess real-time rendering and computer gaming engines um, are starting to have quite a big impact on our industry. Um, I still think that it's a little way off being embraced from a still images point of view. Um, but I do think that there's, um, you know, a lot of potential, particularly when we're working at that kind of concept stage where we are trying to come up with a lot of ideas quickly um, and trying to test out lots of different viewpoints, lots of different moods, lighting, compositions. Um, I think that the, you know, I guess, I guess we, we started to see that with the likes of, um, uh, you know, kind of interactive rendering within V-Ray and Corona a few years ago. And, you know, that's something which is great and all the guys uh, use that a lot. Um, but, you know, I guess real-time rendering takes that a step further, really. Given certain needs that society has, we adapt the way we use technology to support those needs. And we're seeing this with COVID. Yeah. We're seeing this in gaming, using gaming and cloud computing technologies to open up new audiences and markets. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your work with Urban Splash yes. uh, and one of the, the platforms or the products you brought out. Um, what excites you the most about where we're at right now with our capabilities to open, use this technology to open up new markets? Um, and where do you see this uh, technological capability taking us? I mean, I think that the, um, the the piece of work that we've done with Urban Splash, and I mean, there's a few, I guess there's a few examples of ways that we have um, started to work with 3D content to get that working online and to be able to get, um, you know, everybody interacting with 3D content. And I think, I think that's important because, um, you know, th there's various kind of statistics out there which kind of talk about the fact that when people can physically uh, or kind of virtually physically <laughs> interact with things, 
then they get a much better understanding of them. Um, and, you know, I guess they get a, a better understanding of how they work and also their, their, their memory of those things, their recall of them becomes much greater. So I think that for, for clients like Urban Splash, where they have this kind of modular configurable housing product, um, it's, it's probably quite a tricky thing for people who maybe aren't um, conversant with architectural drawings to really get their head around what it is that Urban Splash are offering. Um, Whereas if they can start to interact with a 3D model of that and they can, um, you know, change, change the configurations uh, and kind of start to see the impact of that updating in front of them, then I think hopefully it'll allow them to um, really kind of understand those things in a much better way. I guess that and I mean, there was another project we did for uh, Greenwich Peninsula, actually, which was um a kind of an online representation of their whole master plan and you know i think that the what what it does is two things really it helps people kind of geographically understand things so whether that's geographically in terms of where buildings actually sit or kind of geographically in terms of where walls go and so on um but also it helps them communicate the kind of whole vision of their project and it allows people to kind of dive into specific areas and you know find out more about each each part of it but in kind of quite a fun interactive way which aligns with their audience it provides them an overall vision of which they can explore further but uh hopefully elicits some sort of emotional response and like you said a geographic understanding in the first instance yeah definitely um one last question is, um, is there anything that you've learned over the last 20 years in industry that didn't come easy or you had to learn the hard way? <laughs> um, yeah, probably lots of things, really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess because the three of us uh, who set up the uniform, you know, we did that kind of when we were still at uni. We haven't really had much other professional experience in the industry obviously we've had jobs before but uh not a huge amount of uh you know experience industry-wise within design um so i think that you know probably pretty much everything that we've done um we have learned by making mistakes i think that one of them is about um trying to be as confident as possible which doesn't always come easily and trying not to be too scared of failure so you know um yeah not being scared to kind of put stuff out there and yeah try, trying new things without uh, being too scared of failing because you know particularly within uh, technology there are often briefs that come to us which we don't necessarily have the answers for um and you know they might they might be things that we've never done before um but uh i think that's where we've really learned that we do have to you know say say yes that we can do them <laughs> and then learn how to do it on the fly so I, th I think those that's probably one of the big things i think that um you know obviously 
when we first started the company um there were three of us four of us uh and we all knew each other very well and then uh as the company's grown you you learn a lot of skills around you know work, working with people and i guess every every individual is different and so yeah that needs to be approached in a very individual way uh, and i think that's that's probably a really important thing is that we've learned is just really about un- yeah understanding people um what drives what drives different people uh, everyone has different motivations and understanding that helps us help them achieve their kind of best so yeah that's what we will try and do Thanks again for joining me on another episode of These Four Walls. It was wonderful to be able to talk to Nick. And if you're interested in learning more about the work Nick and his team do or want to check out some of their current projects, head over to uniform.studio or check out their Instagram at uniform underscore AV. As always, all links mentioned can also be found in the show notes. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.